The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five post-fight interviews in MMA with special guest James Lynch. We're going deep, everybody. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you could find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and on the rare weeks, like this week, where there's no major card, we like to bring back the top five episodes. It's a nice little treat to kind of reflect on MMA history. We're always trying to break down stuff on this show. Well, we forget about the past a little bit. It's good to pay homage to that. And today's episode is going to be top five post-fight interviews in MMA. One I've been looking forward to. So why not bring a guest that I've been looking forward to have on? And well, since it involves interviews, why not have one of the best interviewers in the game today? That's right. James Lynch at Lynch on Sports on Twitter. You can find him at, at Fightful MMA, Sports Illustrated at SIMMA, Flow Combat. MMA Odds Breaker, MMA News Comp, MMA Media, and thankfully, right here. What's up, James? Hey, Dan. Thanks a lot, and uh, apologies for all the outlets. I didn't want to keep your listeners here for the next hour. Yeah, I shortened it up. That was only uh, about <laughs> 10% of them, by the way, folks, but, you know, go check them out. <laughs> no, it's great to be here, man. You know, I'm a big fan of your work and a uh, big fan of this podcast, so it's, uh, it's great to finally be on, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, uh, I try... I, tend to treat this podcast for listeners know like kind of the abandoned stepchild and i apologize for that but one of my proclamations was like you know i have to make it a point like i didn't sink my own ship like i thought i would like this thing somehow made it over a year so why not 2018 let's focus on getting some new guests people who i love and respect their work as well thank you for that james and people yeah that i just wanted to get on here so you are definitely one of the names i i i I feel like I, i drop your name on here enough as it is because you know you come across uh, anybody who studies tape or interviews, you're going to come across James Lynch's work because it's everywhere and it's worth looking at. Um, so I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm already talking about you. Anyways, why not? Why not bring you on? Yeah, no, and it's, it's great to be on. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's yeah, I'm excited to talk about post-fight interviews. When we uh, sort of were going through the categories, I was like, this is this is a fun one. You know, I'm really really stoked for it. Yeah, I mean, interviews in general, this this is going to be – I'm actually, you know, kind of tip of the hat. Um, I'm probably going to be re- revisiting uh, a similar version of this list sooner than later, not post-fight, but more just, you know, in generals. Uh, it's kind of one I had planned with uh, my co-host there, Goes and George, who another, another two guys who have done their fair share interviewing through the years. But, um, but yeah, man, post-fight is one of those special ones where it's like there's a special kind of emotion about it that you're not really going to get anywhere else. And as I'm sure we'll get into with your list and mine, James, those moments create for some of the more memorable ones that our sport has to offer, right? Yeah, it certainly does. And I think that that's sort of the cool thing about post-fight interviews because uh, they're on the spot. No one knows what is going to come out of their mouth. And uh, it, sometimes you get some really memorable quotes. And I, you know, looking at my list here, there's a couple where, you know, I just look at the list and I'm like, you know, I, you, you remember that quote and, and that will always sort of be synonymous with that fighter uh, is their post-fight quote. So it's, it's, uh, I'm excited to hear what your list is because uh, you know, I've got a couple uh, different ones on here that I think uh, people are going to enjoy. 
Yeah, 100%. And if there's crossover, of course, that's okay. And whatever we miss, we will get to the uh, listener contributions, which, of course, you can get to using hashtag ProtectYourNeckPodcast on Twitter or just get at us on Twitter, at the PYN Podcast. And thankfully, that uh, address, that handle is the same for Instagram and Facebook if you'd like to contribute there, at the PYN Podcast. So we'll get to you guys and our honorable mentions at the end. But as per usual, um, we stop. We, we start from uh, you know we start from bottom to top when I'm breaking down a card, and, and we do the same thing uh, as far as the top five goes. We will start from five. We will go back and forth, and we will work our way down to one uh, for listeners that aren't familiar with the format. And since these shows are kind of uh, well, to be honest, this podcast in general, we're not really a current events kind of style podcast, and uh, we're, we're not really going to be t- t- uh, you know touch on anything like that right now we're just going to jump into the list it's kind of nice it keeps these episodes kind of evergreen if you will because you know you can always go back and revisit which by the way uh on itunes where you can find us rate and review us you can actually go back i made sure i forgot for a minute sorry about that but i made sure and i updated the catalog so you can now go back to uh, our, our first episodes and uh get some top fives in fact my first top five was with another canadian robin black who i believe you just had on your show right james I did, yeah. It was uh, really cool to have him on the industry podcast today, and uh, Robin's a you know a longtime friend of mine, so it was uh, cool to uh, to talk to him, uh, go down memory lane a little bit, and just sort of talk about his career. I can't wait to listen to that. He is a, he's a good dude. Um, he's a guy I'm lucky enough to call a friend. Has always always been good to me over the years. Perhaps because we like breaking down fights, and both used to be front men in a band. I don't know. We always joke about that, but <laughs> but uh, but but no. Um, your podcast, by the way, uh, people that don't know uh, the MMA Industry Podcast, which is on Fightful MMA, uh, r- really awesome. It's it's quickly becoming one of my uh, favorite podcasts for sure. Just in general, not just MMA, by the way, um, because. Uh, you know, you, you, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you touch on it before we get going here. But you're essentially just talking to people around the industry, right, James? And we're pretty much getting the tips, tricks, inspirational stories, and kind of everything that comes along with 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 talking to people that work in our scene. Yeah, it's you know it's tough in this industry to sort of find a niche, and I feel like there was there there's an area that hasn't really been covered that much in the sport, and that is sort of the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, you get journalists on here and there, you know, talking about their backstories, but I wanted to solely focus on that, and sort of the inspiration for this was uh, Richard Dietrich's uh, sports media podcast that he does in Sports Illustrated, which is sort of the same thing, but it's dealing with all sports. This one's dealing specifically with MMA, and I think what's so interesting about uh, covering MMA is a lot of people who do this don't do this full time. They're not. It's not their full time job. So I want to sort of tell those stories of the people who are, you know, maybe working a nine to five and still finding time to do this on the side. And, you know, there's there's not a lot of money in this industry. So people are just sort of doing it out of passion. And I find that really interesting. And I feel like so far we've got some pretty interesting stories. And I'm not just getting journalists on. You know, I had a you know, I've had a manager on, um, you know, I'd like to get more promoters on things like that. So it's sort of a variety, but there's a lot to cover uh, in the sport from the behind the scenes perspective that just hasn't been touched yet. Absolutely, and it's 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 a ton relatable for someone like 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 myself as well because you know I'm uh, in in many ways uh, you know I, I'm very very new in so many ways to be you know um, obviously and and just hearing you know people you know whether it's you know journalists or the, like I just listened to the episode of the Submission Radio guys and I love Dennis and Casper I met them out here in USC 200 and I've always admired their work and just kind of hearing these stories and you know knowing like oh wait you know these guys that are so awesome struggle with X too you know and it, it's it's really it's really cool uh, I think in all walks of life to kind of hear people that are you know successful you know say hey man you know we're going through struggle we're we're going we're doing this out of passion we're and hitting all the bumps in the road that I guess maybe some might not expect or others that you know like myself kind of feel too can kind of 
uh, commiserate with. So I think it's relatable on a lot of levels. So I, I don't want to get get too far sidetracked, but I really, I really do enjoy it, James, and I really do do suggest any listeners right now listening to it go check it out, go subscribe to it. Um, you can do that on iTunes as well. Yeah, it's all on uh, Fightful there if you want to subscribe there. And then obviously it's on the Fightful YouTube channel as well. But we usually do the show live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Hasn't been that way lately just because the guests, uh, sometimes it's tough to schedule stuff. But you can always watch the replay like as soon as it's done. So, All right. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's scheduling. That's a whole other topic for another time, right? But (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, let's jump into top five post-fight interviews. Um, We'll usually kind of change the order as we go so it's not just the same person leading off. But uh, Mm – James, you're you're a pro man. You're a big boy, and and you're more importantly, you're the guest. Would you like to go first, sir? Sure, let's do it. Um, I've got one that I, I guarantee you don't have in your list, and okay, uh, nice. I wanted to sort of pick a couple ones on here that you know. There, there's there's a I, I want to say there's two on my list that that I'm almost positive you won't have, and I wanted to sort of think outside the box and go sort of to like the hardcore MMA fan, and I've got sort of a story with this one too. Um, I won't bore your listeners to death, but I, I will sort of uh, get to the point here. But uh, my number five uh, post fight interview is actually from a Bellator fighter. Um, I don't know if you remember Brian Rogers. He used to the Predator, the professional Predator, used to fight in Bellator. Bellator and uh, his Bellator debut, he actually had one of the most memorable post-fight speeches that I'll, I'll, I'll always remember. Um, basically what happened, if you, ha- you don't remember the fight, he fought Victor O'Donnell at uh, Bellator 50 and uh, Brian was making his debut and O'Donnell was coming out the Ultimate Fighter and I think they had both actually tried out for that same season of the Ultimate Fighter that year. I'd have to go look back at what the actual um, season was. But uh, so so they booked this, you know, the, the fight was in, uh, I forget exactly where it was, but Brian goes out there and he knocks O'Connell, O'Donnell out in the first round and, uh, you know, it was a spectacular finish and and all this and uh, you know O'Donnell was the hometown guy so you know they do the post fight interview Jimmy Smith talks to him this and that and they start booing and uh, you know Brian's a proud guy from Ohio and and they were sort of booing against him and everything and uh, Brian literally lets off one of the most uh, one of my favorite post fight uh, speeches and uh, if if you can find the clip it's great but he basically says you know boo for me cheer for me Google me right now I got six first round knockouts. So, and that sort of cemented Brian because literally he would like, he was known as like the guy that, that, you know, started the Google me train trend. And he actually made, if you go and look back at his, uh, his fights after that, he actually walked out to t-shirts that said, Google me. So to me, that sort of stood out a little bit. And, and it's also just a great quote and, and to slide this even further. So, uh, Steve Miosic, who's a good friend of Brian's, uh, his nutritionist is based here in Toronto. And so a couple of years ago, I actually got to go uh, to a party that uh, this nutritionist was hosting. I knew his nutritionist through like a mutual friend. And so I go there and sure enough, who's there? Brian Rogers. And, uh, you know, I see him and, and I go, I'm, and I literally, I start reciting the, the, the thing. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you're the, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget your fight at Bellator 50. Google me. I got six first round knockouts. I said, you know, how is that sort of like carried on in your career? And he, you know, he started laughing because, you know, Brian's not like a famous guy or anything, but for him to, you know, have that quote, uh, you know, resonate with certain people like myself, uh, he thought that was cool. And, and, you know, Brian's actually a friend. Uh, I still keep in touch with him, but, uh, that to me was just one of those quotes that, you know, people won't have in a lot of their top lists. But for me, it sort of resonates just with the fact that Brian, you know, had this cool catchphrase and stuck with him throughout his career. And uh, it, it was just if you watch the fight and see the, the post fight interview, it just it was super cool. Man, no, you I actually just wrote that down as you were talking because uh, I'm going to go check that down as soon as we, we uh, get done recording here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have had that on my list because, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, uh, but I am familiar. I'm familiar with the name and I actually am familiar with, with the saying, but not the incident interview itself so i'm definitely gonna go check that one out man that's awesome no i I like that 
Yeah, I got to think outside the box a little bit. I know your listeners are like, hey, where's the, you know, Nick, this and that. Like, trust <laughs> me, there, there's stuff's coming. But uh, I, there, I have two on this list that are sort of outside the box. And uh, th- this is this is one of them. And uh, yeah, so I, again, I, I knew you wouldn't have it on your list. So got to add some variety here, Dan. You know, we can't just be, a, a, you know, agreeing on the same thing. So 100%, man. Actually, you're on the same pace with me. I always joke and say my hipster picks. And I always got to throw in some hipster picks in there. And I'll usually throw them, like you can always count my number five spot will usually be somewhat of a hipster pick, you know, because I'll be like, I'm going to get this in there, even if it feels like I'm punishing some listeners. But my middle ground is I'll put it at like number five or number four. <laughs> no rules, obviously, no right or wrong. But for what it's worth, if it makes you feel any better, I'm right on there in the same page with you. And I went ahead, and you actually, your, your pick actually makes me feel, ba- uh, feel better about my number five now. My number five is not going to be too hipster because if I tell you the name is, you're going to be like, oh, this is like one of the names that should be on top of the list. But it's mm-hmm. not this typical selection you would associate with Chael P. Sonnen. Um, ah, okay. this, this was the first time uh, I stumbled upon Chael Sonnen and this made me remember who he was. And this was before um, this was before he uh, beat Paul Filio. This was technically after he lost him the first time with the, with the uh, Chael did his Brazilian armbar tap. And uh, it was it was after that, but it was WEC thirty three. Um, boy, was that? I'm trying to think which event that was. I don't I, I don't have that part in us. I want to say it was like a, a Dominic Cruz took the title from Bulls there. Maybe, maybe, no, no, that wasn't it. But anyways, neither here nor there. It was there. A Stan, Stan and Marshall actually. Stan and Marshall. I, I, okay. I, yeah, I have Google in front of me. So. Nice, nice. All right. Well. Uh, it's not even that particular of an exciting of a fight, right? Like, Chael Sonnen mainly wins through top control and gets a three-round decision. But I'm watching him, and, you know, uh, he's get, doing the post-fight interview, and, and, and I'm sorry, the interviewer is escaping me. It was the normal WEC guy. I want to say it might have been Todd something. But, I think uh, it was Todd Harris, yeah. Todd Harris, yep, there we go. And he was doing a great job doing his normal thing. And a lot of times they'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll insert a compliment while they're trying to present the question, at least the initial question, right? Yeah. And... Chael actually stops, and I'm a person where like little things mean a lot for me. Like like I can go from like you know the sweetest guy that'll hold the door open, but if you don't say thank you or show a nod, I don't care if you're an <laughs> old lady. I'm like fuck you, you know. It's just get, it gets ugly fast. But no, no. All seriousness aside, but like all seriousness, but like it when when someone acknowledges something, like takes does little things. It, it strikes big with me, and Chael took the time to be like, "Hey, thank you for that." Before it, like acknowledge, you know, going on to his, you know, his answer, and now you can look at it and be like, "Oh, well, that's that's political. I want to run for office, Chael." But back then, there was no, there was none of that identity. He was still pretty much a guy trying to find his way coming up, and he, he thanks he thanks Todd Harris. Then he gives a shout out to, uh, you know, one of my one of my former coaches, the late great Robert Follis, who was still working with Chael at that time, um, and then goes into his post fight interview, and then you know. Todd Harris asked another question. I forget what it was, but it was in reference to, I believe, the, 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 the UFC and WEC. There was, the merge may not have happened or, you know, because obviously Stan was headlining that, but uh, there might have been talks of a buy or something like that. So uh, Chael brings up Zufa on the broadcast, and he goes, well, I, Todd, unlike other, the other men that are signed by Zufa, will fight any man that God created. And I'm not like the particularly most religious guy, but I, that like the that line like I will fight any man that God created like just the way he delivered it. It was like holy shit. And now you look at it in retrospect, you're like, "Oh, that's it." And like that's where it kind of started and and I think it's an important one to put on the list because you know, we all talk about trash talking and and we all have our stances on it and the pros and cons, but I think that's a good example of Brian Baker and Shale Sonnen of it, it even the best got to start somewhere. And that's right. why I wanted that on the list. 
That's excellent. And, you know, interestingly enough, you bring up Brian Baker. You know, he's fighting this weekend uh, for the wow. first time since, like, 2015. Uh, he's had a lot of health issues. Yes, I don't know if yeah, you remember when he was in yeah. Bellator, he, had, uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Yes. He actually got diagnosed again, and he beat it a second time. And uh, now he's, uh, he's actually fighting Mike Biggie Rhodes uh, this, uh, this, this weekend on uh, this really stacked regional card that's happening in, uh, I think it's uh, South Dakota. But, yeah, Brian's back. And if you go to MMA Osbreaker, you can see my interview with him. But uh, pretty crazy. Brian, Brian the Beast Baker, back in action first time since February 2013. Just dude, threw that in there. Dude, I'm going to check that out, definitely. And that's that's so inspiring and badass. What a badass he is to do that. Because I always wear the leukemia. I wasn't aware of the second uh, reoccurrence, though. What what a badass, man. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out that interview and, and check out that fight now that you mentioned that. Thanks, James. Um, no all right. Well, on that note, do you want to kick us off and just you mind keep, keep keeping this train going with the number four, dude? Hello. So my number four is one that's near and dear to my heart um, just because of the fact that uh, – you know, the, the person who was uh, called out in this is, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart. So uh, Nick Diaz defeats BJ Penn at UFC 137. <laughs> nice. And uh, the famous, where are you at, George? Where are you at? You're scared. And then George, I mean, it was there's so first off, just the quote itself, where are you at, George? And then, you know, Nick going off and saying, you know, I think he's scared. I think he doesn't want to fight. And then they pan to GSP. And, you know, it's kind of awkward for a second. But then GSP does that thing with his hands in front of the camera. Do you remember what I'm talking about here? Yes. Ooh, like I'm supposed to be scared. Um, Just so epic. And, you know, it's sort of synonymous with uh, Diaz at this point, too. I mean, Diaz has a bunch of good quotes. But the where you're at, George, um, you know, still to this day, I mean, that was way back at UFC 137. That's still something that people talk about today. And I think uh, we got to give Mr. Diaz credit there because uh, it was just one of those, you know, spur of the moment things that he did. And uh, it's still sort of sticking with the sport right now. Not too lengthy, not too long, but the where you at, George, I think he's scared. I don't think he wants to fight uh, quote is uh, is awesome. So I got to go with that at my number four. Dude, I don't know if you – I changed my number four last minute uh, before this podcast, James, because I, I was hoping you, you'd have it on there. And you may still have it on there. But uh, mm. that pick makes me want to go back to it because it's, 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 of, the similar, it's of the similar vein. Um, okay. And I think, I think, I think I'm going to call that audible because uh, regardless of whether or not it's on your list, I, I think you're going to be able to help me unpack this anyways. And I could not find this one. I actually searched far and wide, and it, it's, not on, it's not on the UFC Fight Passes – it's not on the uh, the the, the uh, interwebs and the, you know the Google Fight Pass there, as I like to call it sometimes. Uh, but this happened in Canada, and okay. Josh Koscheck was not fighting a Canadian that night. But oh, I know the fight. Yeah, I know the fight. Yes, this was UFC uh, one thirteen. Was it, was was this Koscheck daily? Yes. Okay, I know the quote. You don't even have to tell me. Please so, go. Yes, go. Uh, okay, I'm gonna kind of butcher it a little bit here, mm-hmm. but it was something like. Oh, boo for me all you want. He's like, Pittsburgh Penguins are going to kick your ass in the playoffs. Because at the time, uh, the Montreal Canadiens were in the playoffs. So Koscheck says, Pittsburgh Penguins are going to kick your ass. And he's like, yeah. And then he, then I'm going to beat George St. Pierre. So then you're going to be 0 for 2 or something like that. It was like something like, then you're going to lose again. Yep, and uh, yep. I, I love that quote. That is, I completely forgot about that. That is a, that is really going down memory lane. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, you know, we talked about you have to start somewhere to be the heel. And regardless of where you start, this number four represents 
or you can finish. Now, again, you know, uh, George St. Pierre fan, you're a Canadian yourself, but even you can appreciate just the, you know, the, the, the healness, I should say, in the, the post fight if you want to, you know, because this was one of the first times, too, where he wasn't just calling out anybody. He was calling out a nation's hero, a superstar, a guy at the peak of his. And, and not only that, he, he goes, he, he ups the Annie James. And, and you, can, you can weigh in and appreciate this more than me or most of the listeners. He goes after your beloved hockey. <laughs> he throws, in, he throws yeah. a professional oh, sports team in there. <laughs> Well, here's the funny thing about that. So in Canada, um, you know, at least for certain people anyways, like there's a lot of people who don't like the Montreal Canadiens. I'm one of them. Um, a lot of people, I mean, there's sort of a, you know, kind of a thing uh, with hockey culture where, you know, if you're, if you like the Leafs, then you, you don't like the Habs. I mean, I'm a Canucks right. fan, but just in general, you just, there's people either like, you either love the Habs or you just, you don't like them. The Montreal Canadiens, that's what they're short for. It's mm-hmm. called that, the Habitants. It's sort of the, the short name. So when Koshik did that, I thought that was awesome because I'm not a big Montreal Canadiens guy. And for him to say that about the Penguins, and I'm not even a Penguins guy. I just thought it was hilarious. I, I love that whole thing. And the thing about George, if anything, I think it made that whole Ultimate Fighter more interesting. I think it made the fight, their second fight, more interesting. Like I love that. I thought I thought Koscheck was great when he did that. I was z- zero uh, offended at whatsoever uh, hearing that. I thought that was great. And the be- the best irony of it all, James, is that it came after Daly hits his infamous like after the shot bell, like one of the worst after the shot bells in in the sport, especially in the UFC, right? Like. If anybody, if anybody yeah. like says, "Here's your victim card," we're gonna you're, you were just a victimize of something that was so unfair and atrocious that's never happened. Here you go, Josh Koscheck. What does Josh Koscheck do with that? He puts it in a paper airplane. He folds it up, spits on it, and just throws it into the audience and starts talking shit. Like he's, he completely threw away that get out of jail free card of a sympathetic character and just went and made it worse, made the booze, made everything way worse with what he said. So you gotta kind of yeah. appreciate that madness. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was brilliant. I I I, I love that quote. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually I remember I grabbed that quote. Um, so I used to work at Fight Network, okay. and um, the odd time like this, this was before like YouTube was like really big on like taking down content. I had like just like a, a no name channel, like just a channel I was just putting like clips I would get that I would edit when I was working at work, and that was one I edited out. And I remember like shortly after Zufa came in and was like copyright infringement, and I they, YouTube made me take it down. But I, I remember cutting that up. I thought it was hilarious. That's great, man. That's great. Um, we'll say you want to lead out for one more, then I'll, I'll lead us out for number two and uh, sure. number one. All right. What is your okay, number so here's three, my, sir? Number three. Okay. This one is my second wild card pick. And a lot of people are going to be like, why is this on this list? Doesn't make any sense. I just thought it was hilarious at the time. And again, it's not one that, uh, that pretty much anyone are going to think of. And if people remember the parting shot podcast, when I first started with Adam Martin, I know we're back again, but we'll, we'll talk like back when it was just an audio podcast. This was, you know, way back in 2013, this quote is in the intro. That's how much I love this quote. So we're going to go all the way back to strike force challengers 11. We're going to go back to a fight between James Terry, who don't know if that name rings a bell. He's oh, yeah. fought in oh, yeah. strike force oh, yeah. recently, yeah. recently fought in Bellator. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, you know, he's fought at welterweight a couple different weight classes. Great guy. I've interviewed him, you know, a couple times and actually spoke to him about this exact quote. He defeats a guy by the name of Josh Thornburg. Nobody guy, whatever. Mora Ronaldo gets on the microphone. Hey, uh, you know, congratulations on the win, this and that. Terry says, oh, I just, I just got one more thing to say. Moro's like, go for it. And, you know, Moro's voice, go for it. Like that, right? Yes, James Terry yes. gets, gets in. And I, I literally have this word for word. He goes, first off, 
I want to fight Ronnie from Jersey Shore. Because you know what? He put up with Sammy way too long. He doesn't throw hard, baby. I throw hard. And he just yes. goes off. And this was at the peak of Jersey Shore when it was like in oh. its, you know, in, in its peak. And uh, it was oh, it was hilarious. I laughed my ass off when I saw this happen. And years later, I interviewed James and I, I brought this quote up to him and he, he was laughing just because I was like, man, that literally like I, I thought that was whole, so funny on a card that like I don't even think was that memorable, but just that quote just always stands out. I remember this. I don't think I saw it live. It might have been after the it might have been after the fact on like probably some random like MMA TKO site, but I also remember it being talked about on uh Junkie Radio who at the time the, the uh George and Goes my co-host at the time they they, they were I, I was I wasn't on the show. I was only a listener then, but they were really in the Jersey Shore. So when that something crossed the uh the lexicon uh yeah, I remember that hitting. That's a great great pull, James. Seriously, because <laughs> I think like I've also had that fantasy too. Where, like I just you know even whether you're serious or, or just obviously joking, like like hey man, you know I have this time, this post fight. Everybody all our all eyes are on me. What the hell do I got to lose? So it's kind of nice to see like a guy like just kind of roll with that attitude. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, and the thing is like, you know, James has had a, you know, pretty average career, but like that quote will live on forever. And actually, um, it, you can still find it. I was able to actually find the clip, uh, somewhere. So if you, uh, it, it's, it's definitely on the internet. If you, if you go strike force challengers, 11, James Terry, you can find the, find the clip. It's, it's awesome. Hey, by the way, strike force challengers underrated, underrated. In oh, big time underrated. Oh no, big time. Um, I, they're kind of doing, they're kind of trying to bring it back with contender series in some ways, but it was strike force. The thing that was cool about it was that you had the showtime backing. So they had the cool like ramps and yep. everything like that. And, uh, oh, I, I loved it. And it was so good. Cause they, I mean, you have to remember strike force challengers was on Fridays, if I'm not mistaken. And this was well before the access TV cards. I think access TV might've had, I mean, it was HD net back then. I think they might've had HD net fights, mm-hmm. but there was no like RFA or, um, you know, LFA or L- legacy F- fighting Alliance, like all this was well before that. So it was kind of unique and it was kind of like a good showcase, but a lot of, uh, good fighters fought on the challenger ser- series and went on to do big things. So, um, yeah, I, I love strike force challengers. Where's that library. I guess that's on fight pass. I-, I should go back and revisit that. It is, it is. And, and being a Vegas local, it was nice too, because because of the showtime backing and the connections, they were able to use like the Pearl, the Palm and those type of like, uh, you know, tough finale yep. venues for those type of shows too, which was nice. So you got like a cheap MMA show where it was like you had to, you had to see like you know an OSP St. Pru or I, I remember seeing uh, Rousey versus Sarah Delio and like hearing her arm pop and like you know hearing BJ Penn screaming in Pat Healy's corner be first be first <laughs> you know like like yeah. just those intimate oh, arenas yeah, so it was always nice that. it was always nice to have those like intimate arenas with like those names but yep 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 a, a, a nice snapshot of the, a sport a little snap, snapshot there of time by the way, the main event of that card, now that I'm looking at it, actually wasn't – I mean the only notable fighter on this card was, uh, you know, uh, was, um, was uh, Julia Budd, really, was, was on that card. Um, so that, oh, wow. that's kind of interesting. But wow. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was just one of those sort of like no-name – well, not no-name, but it was just like one that was like not like notable. It's not one you look back on and like, wow, that was like one of those cards that like launched everything. Didn't age uh, so like that, wine. Was, Didn't age like wine, that, that one. Yeah. No, no, it, it definitely didn't. <laughs> actually, my mistake. Sorry. It was Strike Force Challengers 15. My apologies there. The main event of that card was actually Justin Wilcox and uh, and, and Rodrigo. Damn, man, Justin Wilcox. Wow. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. Who else was on this card? Uh, Lorenz Larkin uh, was on this card against Scott Lighty. 205? Yep, 205. Yep. Uh, yep. Scott Lighty, Jesus. if you remember. Did you ever watch the old Tap Out show? He was like featured yeah. on that show. Oh, yeah, remember? yeah. That's what that name's probably familiar from. I remember the Tap Out show. I, I used to get down on that so one. So good. 
Man, oh, good times, good times. Uh, number three, okay, here. My number three, now I feel bad. I'm going super mainstream. I'm, I'm kicking it back up because I actually, I like the punk rock vibe. I like the punk rock vibe that uh, James is bringing because then now I don't feel too out of place when, when I usually have mine. This, however, is not one. But I'd be remiss if I left this one off the list, James. Um, stop me anywhere if, uh, as soon as you, if, if this is on your list as well. Otherwise, feel free to jump in. But, um, Th- just because it just was just an insane kind of a scene, especially just rewatching it. I mean, it, it's insane in nature. Uh, but mm-hmm. when I went back to watch UFC 159, and I believe this also was was this take place in Canada? This was John Jones versus Chael Sonnen, UFC 159, April 27th, 2013. And as you okay. know, John Jones TKO's Chael Sonnen uh, toward the end of the first round. Uh, the fight is stopped. And he gets announced as the winner. Somehow his mangled toe, which happened um, in the last stanzas of Ground and Pound when they went back to the replay. But in between the medical check, getting the shirt on, does not feel his toe. Rogan goes up for the, the interview. And as he's putting the initial hand on the shoulder and giving him the visual, <laughs> like, hey, how's it go? You did good, buddy. Giving him the quick, you know, no, no speak look before they go into the speaking. John looks down and sees his toe and goes, oh. And uh, Rogan just does a good job at that point kind of verbalizing, like, on point, like, reacting with John, with us, and with the situation by going, oh, your toe, right? It sounds very simple, but he does a really good job verbalizing it, right? The camera picks up on it. The camera goes down and shows the mangled toe. And Rogan goes, this might be one of the worst injuries I've ever seen. Uh, how are you feeling? And just starts talking to him. And, and you see John doing the panic. Like, things. oh, my God. Yeah. yeah and, I and, remember that. And, and it, you know, people are like kind of joking because, you know, it's just this macho figure or whatever. But, no, I, I, I do not blame him at all for, for any of that. And I was – it was funny because now watching it, you know, with older eyes, I just – I'm recently recovering from a surgery. And I had one of the few experiences where I, I thought I have a good stomach with, like, blood and guts and seeing it all my life. But when you see it on yourself, it's like a different feeling. And I don't think John Jones yeah. strikes me as a guy who gets fucked up very often. <laughs> so seeing him yeah. messed up in any in any way was probably a real big shock to him, right? Especially yeah. seeing something so grotesque. So he starts going and doing this freak out thing. And it's just great because Rogan's like, oh my god, can we? And like at first you're like, oh, he's being responsible. He's calling for a doctor. He's calling for a chair. But then you realize like a good couple minutes have gone by and Rogan is still making John Jones talk while John Jones is squirming out of his mind. And I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, 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 get off, I'll get off and let you jump in here, James. But I just want to get to my favorite part of this interview, right? As this is going on, it, we're about a couple minutes into the interview now. And literally, John Jones is freaking out. We've got a doctor. He's Now he's on a stool. This is where the, the interview has, has, has evolved into. And Rogan goes, <laughs> Rogan stops him mid-sentence and goes, Hey, are you, okay, are you okay to do this interview? <laughs> After the interview, it's already been going. He's already conducted and already spoke for John on like multiple occasions by this point. He's already conducting yeah. the ring. He goes, hey, are you okay to do this? <laughs> like, the interview is already oh almost over. Oh, my God. Sorry. I remember that. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. What's so crazy about that fight, too, is like literally if Chell would have held on a little bit longer and it would have gone to the second, John would have lost due to injury. Yes. Yeah. I mean, imagine how that would have changed things. And that I mean, that was, you know, if you look, I'm just looking at this card now. I mean, it was not a good card, really. I mean, I had a couple names on here, but uh, it's 
Yeah, it just it, it but I I do remember that where Jones is like, yeah, the the moment he starts seeing the injury, it's like when you I don't know if you've ever been cut before, you know when you start to get lightheaded. Yes. Um like I worked at a deli one time and I was I, I sliced my finger and then when I actually saw the blood, I started like getting lightheaded. It, it's like that feeling where you kind of just your body just sort of takes over and you're, you know, you can't do anything and and that's that's a perfect example. I completely forgot about that. I mean, I remember the fight, but I forgot about the interview part of it after, so that's uh that's hilarious, man. That's a that's a good good find on that one thanks man thanks yeah it was, it was it, but yeah exactly you lightheaded and seeing your own blood that's that's the perfect thing because yeah that, that's i think we've all kind of had some kind of example um if, if not good good for you i guess right but uh we've yeah. all had an example of that and like it was great because john jones you just see the humanity he goes i was supposed to go to jamaica after this and i don't even know <laughs> if i'm gonna go and, and i think that's the point where rogan realized that J- jones was in his own world he wasn't answering his questions anymore because he wasn't was not uh, you know, in his defense, wasn't exactly focused on Rogan's questions. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, man. Hey, you know what? Let's just take a real quick break looking at the time now. And when we come back, me and James are going to unpack the rest of our top five post-fight interviews in MMA and get to yours right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the top five post-fight interviews in MMA with special guest James Lynch. Now, James was kind enough to lead off bat for numbers five to three, so I'm going to go ahead and lead off from two to one. Uh, my my number two, James. This one, this one was initially my number one, just because we, we for the many biases that we all carry for many different reasons. This one ranked up there for me. And, and because I was there live, and like I say often, you don't have to be there live, uh, you know, for any of your picks. But it, it always kind of, it always kind of helps because whenever you have a story to go along with your pick, it always makes the pick that much better. I don't have a story to go along this one, but I was here live for Diaz versus Maynard three, the tough eighteen finale, November thirtieth, twenty thirteen. Is this on your list, James? It's not on my list. I, I'm liking this. We're, we're, you know, we, we kind of, uh, I think we, we kind of looked at this in, in different ways, but this is great. No, it's, it's not on my list. Not at all. But the fighter, uh, okay, I'll, I won't say anymore because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you mine after. But yes, a great pick and it's not on my, my list. All right. All right. Uh, bookmark that note. We'll get to it here in a second. But yeah, this one, um, you know, it, Nate Diaz is, is another easy guy to pick. There's a lot, uh, which I won't go into because I'm sure we'll, either you or the listeners will, will have on their list as well. But there's a lot, a lot of picks you could have with old Nate Diaz. Uh, but this one, I was here live, and, and I'm a big Gray Maynard fan, you know, with the extreme couture bias there. Uh, that was a tough one for me to watch because I go and, you know, loving both fighters. But one guy has to lose, and it was it was a rough one for Gray, right? He gets TKO'd and kind of stumbles off while the ref stops it. Um, and uh, the post-fight interview happens, and it's just insane because... When the post fight interview happens, first of all, this whole group of like female, like looks like super fans, kind of crowd up right up to the desks, cage side, which you never see, especially in this era, right? Like security's pretty wrapped tight, mm-hmm. like no one's in that kind of small negative space right behind the, you know, where the commentator or the judges' booths are. 
But the reason why this congregation is allowed there is because one of them is Ronda Rousey. And it's not really shown on camera, although uh-huh. Nate does reference Ronda Rousey in the post-fight interview. But in the post-fight interview, you know, John Anik does as usual. That was great. Can you take us? Can you walk us? Can you walk us through the finish here? And Nate just, oh, yeah, that shit was tight. Listen, I just want to give a shout out and goes and do a shout out. Things like, oh, shit, that was tight. Was, uh, that shit was tight. That was his technical breakdown. And then he goes into shout outs and then, like, not even answering uh, John Anik's questions, starts trying to promote. Gilbert Melendez, who was coming off with like that UFC 136 win over Diego Sanchez, but really it was like a couple months since remove. I think he might have been on tough. And I think the momentum in the lightweight division were actually on guys that weren't him or Gil. But he was like, we're the yeah. number one guys right now. And, you know, it almost was just like, I could swear, like, you know, Gil brings a dab rig or like starts sparking a joint right in the ring. Like, it felt like they were just celebrating right there and just doing bong rips, like doing their little dances with their hands in the air. And he's, and then John Anik tries to ask him another question and Nate goes to answer it, stops mid sentence and goes, oh, fuck this shit. I'm hungry, man. I got shit to do. <laughs> and he's like, Nate Diaz, everybody. And it was just, it was the most ridiculous Nate Diaz. And forget Nate Diaz. It was just the most ridiculous post-fight interview ever. And I could, I, can, I cannot not have that on my list because it's, it's just down and out one of my favorite post-fight interview moments ever. So there it is. I, I actually, I, I totally forgot about that one too. And uh, you know that that's why I love doing this list with you because uh, you're you're digging deep. I mean, this is uh, that that win over Maynard. Um, that was when Maynard like. Really, I, I, was that right after the? I'm gonna look this up after the uh, the, the TJ Grant knockout, uh, or was that before? I, I don't know. But either yeah, way, it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Good call. Ma- Maynard yes. went on like on like a slide after that. I remember, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting knocked out a couple times, and then you know, of course, now he's sort of uh, had a bit of a resurgence. I mean, he won his last fight, but uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. I remember how quickly that fight ended um, too in the first round. Um, but but no, good good on Nate. I mean, the, the one thing you're gonna get always get with the Diaz brothers is authenticity. I mean, those guys are not putting on any act whatsoever. What you see outside the cage is what you're gonna get in the cage. So it's uh, it's pretty badass. I, I definitely like that. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Should I go with mine? It yes, also sir. happens to be a Nate Diaz. It also has to be a Nate Diaz quote. Uh, this one I had to put on here just because of the significance of it and just the the funny you know the funny aspect of it. Nate Diaz. Okay, first off, I'm going to preface this by saying I, I really like um, you know sort of the the storylines and stuff that surround certain fights, and this there's certainly a good storyline here. So, UFC on Fox 17, Nate Diaz, Michael Johnson heading into the fight. Uh, Johnson was thought as like sort of the the next big thing in the lightweight division. I mean, he had, you know, he had fought here and there. But if you remember, uh, you know, Diaz, it sort of was like he was sort of getting written off a little bit um, heading into the fight with Johnson. He was coming over the the loss to Rafael Dos Anjos, which at the time we didn't know how good he was, Dos Anjos anyways. Um, But, uh, you know, there there was kind of these questions about because, you know, what was going on because, you know, after he lost to Henderson. Uh, you know, he lost, he got knocked out by Josh Thompson or he had the towel thrown in and everything. Um, and then, you know, he beat Maynard and then he lost to Dos Anjos, but he'd lost three or four at this point yeah. heading into the fight. Johnson, you know, was on a bit of a rise, but Diaz pretty much embarrassed Johnson. I mean, he beat him very soundly in that fight. And of course, right after the fight is what would set up what we would later find out to be the great Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz trilogy because Joe Rogan hands him the mic and Nate Diaz says this. And uh, if, if I, I, am I allowed to swear in here or do we got to yeah, this oh, stuff? Yeah, no, you're good. It? Swear away. Fuck that. Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, motherfucker. I'm going to fight your fucking ass. You know who the real fight is. You know what the real money fight is? Me. Not these clowns that you already punked at the press conference. Ain't nobody wants to see that. You know you can beat them already. It's an easy fight. You want the real shit right here. 
And that, of course, you know, that, that call out, I mean, there were a lot of fighters that were calling out McGregor at the time, but you know, when Dos Anjos was out of that fight at UFC 196, I'm guessing that that press post fight presser that got into the subconscious of the higher ups of the UFC and the matchmakers and Joe Silva. And that got Nate Diaz that fight. I have no doubt about it. So for me, just the funny, just the hilarity of, you know, him taking the mic from Rogan, which, you know, everyone knows in broadcasting, you got to grab that mic. You can't let anyone take control. Oh, yeah. Diaz takes control. He goes on this rant, and it led to the, the biggest fight of his career. So for me, significant-wise, it was great. It was a good quote. And, you know, again, just the fight itself where, you know, a lot of people are writing Diaz off. So many good things in this one. So it had to be my number two on this list. Dude, that is, that's awesome. I'm glad you put that one in there. Um, and you, you just made me realize, like, I, I was aware of this one, obviously, like it came across my lexicon, but I didn't really think too deeply into it, apparently, because you just triggered kind of my story where I was at. And by the way, you great setup to that fight, by the way, because it's true. The setup does have a play a role into it. And even me, man, I was I picked Rafael Dos Anjos to beat Cerrone uh, in that night. But I I, I picked uh, Michael Johnson to beat Nate Diaz, man. I I was the, yeah, the the I'm a big Nate Diaz fan, but it was yeah he was you know had a three or four losses. You weren't sure where he was at. You know sometimes when you hear these guys talk, you don't know what to make of it, right? Like how serious are they taking it? You know da 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 da. Where's he at in his career? And he comes in, blows the doors off. And uh, I was actually, this was the last time I was in Hawaii, and I was in there for, I was there for a kind of, you know, for, you know, sad, you know, sad business, you know, uh, family passing, so I had to use there for a funeral, but uh, I made it, I, you know, I, I scooted away on, on, a, on Saturday to go watch the fights at a, at a, you know, at a hotel bar, and it was about nine Mai Tais deep, and it was funny, though, the power kept going off while we were watching the card, right, like, missed, like, a bunch of, the, like, I think Nick Lentz fought Danny Castillo, missed most of that fight. Then it would come on like the, you know, Charles Oliveira, Miles Jury fight. It would come back on and we kept going on and off, right? Finally stays on for the main card, but we don't have any sound. So you're thinking, how good can your story be or how good can your experience be with that post-fight interview without sound? Well, the cool thing was, uh, I, I didn't think it was cool at the time. I thought it was really annoying because it was, it, there was a slight delay and it took up the screen, but they had the closed captioning for the hearing impaired thing going on in the bar TVs. <laughs> so when it came time, I'm like, oh, Nate Diaz post-fight interview time. Oh, I wish I could hear what he was saying. Well, I guess I can oh, read. Man. And it was great. I've never seen closed captioning just repeat the word expletive over and over again like oh it felt like God. i was like, I'm like is this like the happy gilmore moment of mma that i'm experiencing where happy's just cursing at the ball and just bleeping expletive deleted expletive deleted expletive deleted like that's what the tv was and it made it so comical so for uh, uh, for any listeners listening you can appreciate that that was my that was a different way to experience an ad as a uh, post-fight interview nice i like like hearing that um you're gonna take the number one uh, spot at this time Yes, sir. Number one. Boy, okay. I, I, I've mainly been UFC, I know. I threw in a little WC in the beginning, James, but I'd, I'd be remiss if I left Pride out of the situation now. Ooh, I love it. I a love lot it. of the Pride stuff escapes me because, as many listeners know, I didn't start watching, like, hardcore. Like, I knew what MMA was, but I didn't start knowing who was who until about 2006. And Pride was arguably starting to make its way out already, obviously, um, if you look at the timeline. And I sadly, although my, I had friends that were in attendance of Pride 33, which I think is one of the best cards ever, uh, and I also missed, which was at the Thomas and Mac here in Vegas, Pride 32. But Pride 32, James, was one of the first post-fight interviews I saw, and maybe that's why it kind of burns in my head, but it's that perfect rocky moment. It's that perfect kind of, maybe not even perfect, but as far as MMA goes, it just it, it encapsulated the human emotion 
and um, just just kind of the struggle. Um, and 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 that was Mark Coleman versus Fedor Emelianenko two. Um, oh, yeah. That I believe headlined it. And people that don't know, Mark Coleman got armbarred the first time, beat pretty soundly, um, as Fedor, you know, was doing to pretty much everybody, uh, even if you were a big wrestler or not. And uh, kind of the same thing happens, and he, he smashes up Mark, though, pretty good before this. And there was some, like, real bad desperation parts before the armbar. Like, it says armbar in the finish, but you watch the fight, I mean... Like the part that burns in my head is 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 Mark Coleman is so desperate. Like he he's nothing to give to this guy. Like you know the skills level is just not on different levels. He's desperately going for a single, and Fedor just kind of limp legging away and just turning and like giving a mean hammer fist to his eyes and literally um, uh, swells up Mark Coleman's eyes like Rocky. And you know uh, Mark Coleman gets on top position after fighting so hard to get it, and then he gets armbarred immediately. Right, and the fight. The fight is over, and the cameras are following in. It's a very pride style, you know. It's 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 following the action live, and you see Coleman um, just kind of just just you know just a guy that's so prideful. So whether you like Coleman or not, you know you can you see him kind of slowly coming to the grips. This prideful guy who he's not he's older by this time, but he's not like super old yet. Like he still has a lot of piss and vinegar in him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not easy for him to let go of that competitive spirit, and you see him processing it. And it comes to his post fight, they give him the mic, and uh, he just goes, "I just, it's fine. I just want to see my kids. Where's my kids?" And he's trying to yell to his kids that they're okay because you could tell that he knows his kids are distraught. Well, his kids happen to be like the most picturesque, like two beautiful little blonde little girls that were just crying for their dad, and they let him, they let him up ringside, like 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 Talish, like they let Talishir up to the ring and Rocky, right? The girls come in, and they're crying. This this beautiful moment, and it almost feels exploitative in some ways, depending on what angle you're watching from. Like goes was saying, he's like, it felt a little weird in the in the arena watching this at first, my my co-host, but he goes, then it really kind of took over you. And you just you see him trying to just comfort his daughter, saying it's going to be okay. See, it's done now. And to me, again, any excuse for for for, for average fans or average people to realize what what these fighters go through, it really means a lot to me because people don't see the, the behind the scenes on what what's really sacrificed or haven't really known people that have had to do that. So when I see these scenes that kind of no matter what they are or run the gamut of. When I see those scenes, they really resonate with me, and 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 that's why uh, this one's on the list. And of course, one more add-on before I throw it to you, James. Seuss, but on this one uh, and yours, but um, Mark Coleman does a good job of being comedic afterwards. But he brings his kids over to Fedor to show him they see he's okay. He's not a bad guy. And you see Fedor, who is at his peak of stone coldness, crack a smile in attempts to just try to ease the girls because you even that cold Russian has a fucking heart even Vadim is fucking cold manager as you could tell him feeling bad <laughs> giving, giving, giving Mark Coleman a, a genuine handshake it was just a beautiful moment of human beings right there and then Mark Coleman of course is his classic thing where he goes can I hit you once please and then he, he, he punches Fedor like very lightly but kind of hard and suggestive at the same time and and, and like as a joke and the crowd laughs Fedor plays along with it and is gracious and it was just a great moment yeah, I, I I remember that distinctly. Um, were, were his daughters not? Were they crying? Or was that a different fight? I'm trying to remember where there's where where they panned to, to his daughters, and I think maybe or maybe it was just Coleman crying. I can't remember. There was something that was happening there, but I do I do vividly remember that um, that that post fight, and uh, you know, like you said, Coleman putting everything into the fight, and just the emotion uh, after the fight was just uh, it was it was crazy. So that's uh, that was a that was a really good card too. Um, first fight of the night. Robbie Lawler lands a flying knee. Do you remember that on Joey Bussinier? <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that's right. That, that's Rob, that's that's Robbie's uh, that's Robbie's pride accreditation on old Joey V, the Jackson Wink staple there. And I don't know if a lot of people know this. You know, Butterbean fought on that card against Sean O'Hare, the wrestler. 
Right? Jesus Christ, that rings Remember a bell. that? Okay, yeah, no, no, no. But here, yeah, yeah. Here's the crazy thing. Mark Hunt was supposed to fight Butterbean, but That's they ruled right. it in in uh, an uncompetitive uh, by the commission. Holy shit! What was what was Mark's record? I know Mark was on a that was the, probably the worst of his run, but how bad was his? Wow. Uh, according to this, I'm just looking on Tapology right now, but uh, it would have been. Let's see That's here. Funny. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, because he had just lost to Barnett, but he had won. He his record at that time was five and one. Okay. And I think Butterbeans was like seven and one or something, seven and that or six weird. and one or something. I don't know. Six and two. It's I, I, crazy, I huh? wonder if but it was, yeah, just. I was going to say, I wonder if it was some type of a uh, meet and halfway because that might have been their first Vegas show, right? And bringing bringing a crazy show like that could have been, like, yeah. You got to make some 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 sacrifices. Wow. Thirty two, man. That, that's bringing back some memories. That's Crazy, a, that, was, that was a great card. Uh, October two thousand six. All right, I'm gonna get to my number one. Kind of obvious for a lot of people, but again, a lot of significance in this. And just uh, the card itself was still one of the best cards in, in MMA history, in my opinion. UFC one hundred. Yes. Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir. I mean. The quote of all quotes, and you know, we talked <laughs> earlier about Nate Diaz being, you know, as genuine as you can be. Brock Lesnar's about as genuine as you can be. And the best part about this is he got in trouble after this for this quote. But um, you know, here here's the quote, and I'll, I'll do my best Brock Lesnar impression here. Uh so of course Lesnar just beats Mir, you know, ground and pound, all this stuff, you know, does the whole looks into the camera, spits out, you know, his mouth guard and all this, and it's just like this really crazy scene at the time. The peak of Brock Lesnar, basically, you know, this was this was crazy. UFC one hundred, um, you know, main event, heavyweight title, all this stuff. So Rogan gets the mic to, to Lesnar and Lesnar goes, Frank Mir had a horseshoe up his ass. I told him that a year ago. I pulled it out of him and beat him over the head with it. You know, and then he goes, now I'm going to drink a Coors Light. That's right, a Coors, because Bud Light don't pay me nothing. <laughs> Hell, I might even get on top of my wife tonight. That was the best I mean, part. <laughs> you, you, you can't even write this stuff. I mean, that was so, and of course, you know, at the time, uh, you know, Bud Light was a big sponsor of the UFC, and, uh, you oh, know, he said he's going to drink a Coors. And and I remember after, you know, Dana was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, there are major sponsors. Like, that, there's so much good from that, and just like, you know, I, I remember like that was like I was at I was working at Fight Network at the time. A bunch of us got together and watched the card, including Robin Black. So that was kind of neat too, like watching that entire card and you know the Bisping knockout by Henderson and everything else. And then you have this main event with this great speech. And you know, usually by the end of the night everyone's tired, but I remember this speech like everyone was laughing their ass off, and it was just it was so good. And of course, you know, Lesnar, you know, getting the title and everything. It was just um, it, it it was it was great. So uh, yeah, Brock Lesnar at UFC 100 is just just one of those. It, it had to be. A the top just for so many reasons that's a great pick that was on my list here too as far as what i had to unfortunately work off of it but uh that's a great pick man and yeah and brock oh geez just that line because that bud light was a huge deal that was a big that was probably like sponsorship history i'd say if we were doing a top five list for like monumental sponsors i think bud light because that marked the era of a big change which would then kind of mark the era of the fox and all these other deals and this was pretty fresh when it happened, and Brock Lesnar just does the Coors line. And uh, that was, by the way, great impression. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm slowly discovering that, that James Lynch has some good impressions. Is that, is that what my ear's picking up here? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. If you, I'm, I'm good. I'm, there, there's, a, there's a few of them that I'm good at. Um, uh, if, uh, yeah, if, if you know the odd time. You know what? When I see you in July, because I, I told you I'm coming out for International Fight Week again, I'll, I'll, I'll bust them out there. But uh, yeah, there's years. a few I can do well. Cert, cert, certain ones, certain ones I can bust out at certain times. So, um, you know, if people ask and they're interested, I'll, I'll definitely do them here and there. But, uh, but yeah. So maybe we'll do it. We'll do an uh, alcohol-induced uh, version of a podcast and cut loose. Just kidding. We'll probably won't do it. Oh, on I won't embarrass that. ourselves. I, that was great. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm down. No, that, I'll be that, down too. All right, James. That was an awesome list, man. Let's. Uh, but you know what? What's equally uh, unpacked is is the rest of these. But we'll do our best as far as touching on what the listeners uh, submitted. So um, I'll go ahead and and uh, pitch what the listeners suggested, and you go ahead and uh, bat away what you think about what the, what they got, James. All right. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. As you know, you can contribute on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm going to jump on Facebook, by the way, the handle, just to remind you again, for each at the PYN podcast. All right. Don D. Pick. Don Piccolo. Um, doesn't give a list, but he says, one of the Black Beasts, Derek Lewis interviews for sure. And uh, it's, you can't really argue with him that, on that one, huh? No. No, he's right. Uh, Derek Lewis, uh, you know, winning people over. I mean, the other day he posted that, you, you know, the video with Brock Lesnar and USADA. Like, he gets it, man. That there, There's some fighters that, that get it, and he's one of them. And, uh, you know, just, again, very genuine. He's got kind of, you know, he's kind of like this, you know, soft-spoken, like, Texan guy. But he, you know, he, he get, he's, he's hilarious. I love him. He's awesome. Yeah, uh, maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm a little reluctant to put things that are more recent on my list. But I definitely had Derek Lewis versus Tibora, Ultimate Fight Night 126 written down. And Derek Lewis versus Travis Brown at Ultimate Fight Night 105 <laughs> written down. Because those were two classic ones, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He always reminds me. Do you remember the Juggernaut redub, by the way, James? Uh, the, the, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, yes, like, exactly. Yeah. That is exactly who I hear Derek Lewis in my head. Like, it's, oh, yeah. That is, he's like that character brought to life, like, right? Yeah, no, totally. 100% even, agree. Even the most ridiculous stuff, like, like, no, like, Derek Lewis or any human being wouldn't talk about wearing a red suit and being ready to fuck all the time. Like, no, Derek Lewis exactly talks about being ready to fuck. Maybe not the red suit, but he talks about the other part. <laughs> Yes. No, exactly. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Kate Trombley says, I'll need to think about this, but this comes to my mind right away. You're fucking booing me? Ally Quinta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which fight was that? That was uh, against Jorge Masvidal at... Oh, and he won a controversial split, did he not? Yep. Ultimate or, or... Fight Night 63, April 4th, 25th. That was Ally Quinta's second to last fight. Can you believe that? I know. Wow. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah, it was a controversial got, one. Got, got to sell some houses, that's why. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. John John Rico, Brockett 100. He agrees with you there, James. Well, you, I know you nice. co signed with him there. Diaz yeah. after beating Connor. That's a classic 196. You can't, 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 yeah. can't, can't shake that. I'm not surprised. That was actually one of the ones I did have. And then I, I, I put, uh, yeah. And I was like, I can't have two Nate Diaz ones on here. So I got, I got to pick the best of one. Um, by the way, we're going to keep going through this list. I'm wondering if the one I'm thinking of, Okay. I, I wonder if people are going to get there, There's an honorable mention that I have. We'll, we'll get to it at the end. Okay. But I'm, I'm curious to see if anyone brings it up. Someone probably will, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. And if, and if it comes up, uh, jump, feel free to jump right in. I definitely will. Yeah. This sure. one, uh, this one's a real recent one that, that John just put on. I'm not hating on it, but I'm more mad at myself that I can't remember. So perhaps you will, James. He has okay. Joe Ban after beating Saunders. Oh, this, you know what? I think I might have missed that completely. Okay. Maybe me too then. Sorry about that, Josh. I have to go back and read. That was a hell of a fight, and those guys respect each other. Yeah. So I'm sure it made for a really good one. Uh, knowing Joe Ban, he probably had you know something positive to say as well. Which uh, you know, I know it doesn't sell or get the clicks, but I always appreciate the martial artist uh, aspect and and guys 
doing amazing You're things there. and then reminding us of it. Like, oh, yeah, you guys are badasses. DC, after 214 loss, was a very real interview, even though I don't like post-KO loss interviews. Was another oh yeah, big time. And then unfortunately for DC, the you know the unfortunate meme that was made after. But uh, that was, I mean, that's what makes this John Jones thing so much worse because that literally was like the moment. I remember that night so vividly. I was with Adam Martin uh, in Toronto. We were at a buddy's house. Actually, we were at Andy Cowan's house. Andy Cowan uh, works for Severe MMA. He doesn't live in Toronto anymore. He's went, moved back to Ireland. But uh, we were at his place watching it, and I remember just thinking like. You know, John Jones is the best ever. Like, he, he, you know, he really, this couldn't have gone any better for him. He finishes DC, you know, forget about the steroid stuff. You know, he's back and he was humble. And, you know, DC does this interview and he's upset. And, you know, it's the one guy he couldn't beat. And then, of course, Jones gets busted and that all goes out the window. But I remember that night thinking, like, wow, this is a great moment in MMA. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and what equal, you know, what's equally as ironic and almost hurting too is that was one of the best John Jones post fight interviews too, as far as showing class and respect. Yep. And like even guys who were like super hard on John Jones, like me, were won over in that moment. We're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I got this John Jones guy all wrong. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, no. Jesus. All right, and the last one on John John Rico's list Jake Shields after Endo. LOL. Or is my rematch? Strike Force Nashville for those oh, of you not Oh, of course. Realizing. The brawl. Sometimes I, these <laughs> things happen in MMA. Yeah, sometimes I almost put it on. This one actually made it embarrassingly close to being on my list, but then I'm like, well, then I might as well put fucking Tank Abbott dancing over, you know, David Matua's dead body, you know, on my list at that point. <laughs> like, not proud moments for MMA, right? You know what the funny part about that one, too, is everyone always focuses on the Gus Johnson quote, which, you know, again, was just kind of a dumb quote. And, like, yeah. Gus got never heard the end of that. And it's I think great. that was one of the last times we heard him commentate MMA. Yeah. But Morrow getting upset in it, too, where he's like, oh, this is ridiculous. You remember that there's, like, that part after, too, which is, like, you know, you really see Morrow getting upset. Yeah. It was it was kind of interesting, too. But that whole thing was, uh, they're like, guys, we're on national television. Guys. Remember that? Guys. Guys, and you just you're just looking at them like you just see people punching into the dog pile as Gus is going. Guys, well, do you remember they, cu- they cut the camera? They they cut yeah. the camera to the to the over um the, the overhead shot when yep. uh, I think it was Diaz or someone threw it through a punch. Um, oh man, I yeah that was that was crazy. Yeah, the overhead shot was, was almost worse because you just get like a nice clear view of like the dog pile. It's like oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, but that, that that was all right. Oh, sorry, next one here. Uh, all right, that was his uh, Ryan Dunley, Nick Diaz post fight interview, UFC 158. I think I can beat you. That's what I think. Ooh, okay. Who do you fight? Who do you fight at 158? 158 was USA versus Canada, right? Uh, no, that was no. uh, that, that was. Oh, that's one. That was that's 58. I'm thinking. I dropped the one, did dummy. Sorry, 158. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was Saint Pierre and. Oh no, hold on. Was that 158? Yeah. Yeah, it, one, 158 was St. Pierre versus Diaz. Oh, so when did. Did Loser post fight interview? He stuck around for one? Maybe. I'm, not seem- sure. I'm trying to remember. I'm looking at 158 right now, and that's maybe you got the number mixed up, but uh, was it after. Yeah, let me just see here. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was the fight. Oh, weird. I don't know. I can't remember it. Oh, it's at the post-fight presser. It's what he put on his thing. Ah, okay. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. I'll still, I'll still give Ryan Dudley some, 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 some nod on that one. All right, Nate Diaz, UFC on Fox. Yep, yep, he had that one you had you had for the UFC on Fox 17. You take everything I work for. Uh, he also had the Nate Diaz 196. Conor McGregor, UFC 205. There's a reason we're at the top of the game because of me, because of you. Now, 
I don't know how you feel about this one, James. I saw this one a lot, and I was kind of bummed that I saw this one almost 9-1 to one over um, the one that I think it should have been, which is the Brandau in Dublin. I think that was the most right. important one for Ireland, for Connor, yeah. for the, and it was a different version of Connor where UFC 205, and you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. I don't. I don't care. That's all good. But this was, in my opinion, the worst version of Connor, and 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 what what kind of sparked uh, the worst version, if you will, where it just was about money, and it really, for me, ended what was an amazing event, kind of on a weird note, not on a bad note. It was an <laughs> amazing event. I don't want to be. Uh, uber contrarian and, and you know overly pour my hand here, but at the same time, it just left a weird note because this was a record that was you know I always talk about all the time. You want to talk about the best fighters or the best resumes, you know all those the all best all time like George St Pierre and John Jones. You're hard to find uh, hard pressed to find better names, but when it comes mm-hmm. to a fighters fighter and my definition of it, I look to guys like B J Penn and Randy Couture. And they didn't have the greatest records, and they went they, they 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 went and picked and they went for super fights, but they didn't do it for money. And a lot of times they weren't favored to win those fights, and win or lose, they came out kind of fucked up from them. And sure. so to see this is the first time where someone's going to join their names. And granted, this is a new era, and we need to judge it under that. But it was like, oh, wait, okay, so you're adding your name to the list, and some and including the Cage Warrior belts, we have now four, you know, for the four titles, which is a whole other argument. Yet all these titles <laughs> you haven't defended, but now it's going to be me, 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 and I'm deserved in the entitlement era. And I've never been into that. I'm a big rap and hip hop fan, James, but nothing past '99 yeah. because it got all about you can find me in the club with 50 Cent and onward. And I'm like, I can't relate to this shit. And who the fuck well, can? I know anybody who can aren't my friends. Um, so I agree. all my hip hop. By the way, side anyway, side sorry. note. Sorry to interrupt you here. No, I, 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 I just I have to bring this up because I'm please, watching. Please. I'm so fascinated. With it. Have Have you been watching the Death Row Chronicles? Have you seen this? No, I've heard though. I got to catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I, watched the this. first episode yesterday. Blown away. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I'm a big TV guy. So no, please. And thank you for interrupting me because that was too much of a tangent. But I mean, no, I, no, no. I, I agree with you, man. And you know, you know, what's interesting about that. I don't even remember that quote because I was at 205 covering it, and okay. uh, we were so busy just trying to get stuff organized that I think I like I missed the entire post fight thing because i was in the back and we had to get to the presser and i like I, I don't even think i even saw that but uh but yeah i mean it's mcgregor's doing his own thing he knows that he's the the commodity and um i mean it is what it is you know it's, it's just one of those things but but i definitely agree with you where you know the days of you know i'll fight whoever whenever at whatever weight class it's you know it's not the same anymore so you know for better or for worse it's it is what it is Yep, and then Ryan Dunley, thank you for contributing, by the way, and definitely not, definitely not crapping on your pick. In fact, it sparked a great conversation. Um, but uh, his last one was Brock Lesnar, UFC 100. Uh, this other one, someone submitted a YouTube link, and it just says Paul Buentello fail, and I clicked on it, oh, and, and nothing yeah, yeah. What do you think it is, James? Okay. Oh, I know exactly what it is. Okay. Don't fear me, fear the consequences. Oh, so, yeah! Paul Buentello. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, what what fight was that? I gotta look. It was when he was in the UFC. It was I want to say it was after the Arlovsky fight. Yeah, actually. I want to say it was the book the Arlovsky that as fight. well because it was in the fifties, right? UFC fifties, I believe, or yeah. early sixties. Yeah. So that makes sense. Okay, I'm so gonna. Was it? It was either the Gilbert Aldana fight after the Arlovsky loss, or was the one before that with Kevin Jordan? I'm guessing it's. Don't fear me for the consequences. Yeah, it just it was one, basically for those who are listening and have no idea what we're talking. Baby, you know, I've been training hard. 
That's that, that's painful as a as a front man of a punk rock band that had crowd vocals where you counted on the crowd to know the words of your song. Holy shit, is that a fail? God damn. Oh my uh, god. Oh, poor Volvo Intello. All right. Uh, finishing off the list. Last last listener contribution from a man, Wanley Tran. Number one, Matt Hughes versus BJ Penn two UFC sixty three GSPs. I'm not impressed by your performance. Thank you, Wanley, for putting this on. Thank you. Yeah, see, I was going to include that one, but see, I didn't, I didn't think that counted in the list because it wasn't GSP's post fight. It was right, just like he right. just, he just interrupted. But no, I agree that I'm not impressed with your performance. Um, but I look forward to meeting you again in the future. And then Matt's like, then the most awkward thing ever. Joe's like, "What are your thoughts on this, Matt?" And Matt's like, "Well, it's his opinion. It sucks, but it's his opinion." That and that's that. Man, you have the cadence of all these guys down, man. You watch way more tape bit. than I do. This is amazing. <laughs> I love that. that was <laughs> a, little, awesome. a little bit here and there, but yeah, it yes. was. Uh, but don't you remember smug when Matt Hughes responded? So he was smug. like, he was like offended and pissed off at the same time, and he's just like, "Well, oh, it's yeah. his opinion, and it sucks, but it's his opinion." And I can just see his grin, and he's kind of he kind of just focuses down off the screen while he says it. Yeah, I, I oh yeah, yeah. I, yep, yep. Great, uh, thank you. And by the way, a lot of th- reasons why, um, even though this was, that, that had nothing to do with BJ Penn, I tend to leave BJ Penn stuff off my list because I talk about him way too much or we'll find a way to talk <laughs> about him. So I, I, I try to, to, to punish the listeners uh, with that. So I will <laughs> leave some of those obvious ones. Number two, speaking of obvious ones but good ones, Chael Sonnen versus Brian Stan, UFC 136, Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. You absolutely suck. suck. Yeah. Classic. Number three, so good. Nate Corey versus... Caleb Starnes, UFC 83, speech inspired by Rocky IV. (laughs) If I can change, you could change. (laughs) That was just a kind of a bizarre fight. Do you remember that? The the infamous running? Yeah, I was. Okay, so it's the first UFC event I ever went to. A quick backstory there. I was supposed to go on my I was supposed to go on. I was just finishing up college at the time, and I was supposed to go on a vacation with my girlfriend. And I ended up using the money and convincing my girlfriend instead at the time to go to Montreal with me to this fight. And I take her shopping and all this. And uh, I stayed at the you know a hotel like literally next to the Bell Center. And uh, yeah, I I paid way too much for my tickets. I think I paid like 430 bucks for like last row lower bowl. But I was like, GSP's fighting Sarah for the title. I'm not missing this first show ever in Canada. So I went and yeah, that was that was one of the weird parts of the fight. Uh, Caleb Starnes never is his, uh, his career never recovered from that. Unfortunately, him uh, running in the fight and uh, and yeah, and uh, Nate Corey obviously winning people over. And that was also Damian Maya's UFC debut. Yep, that's right. That's right. Man, I remember that card like it was yesterday. But my buddy who got me into the sport, his his guy was GSP. And uh, I, and uh, I remember it was just like you know, and and my guy was BJ Penn at the time. So we're, all right, so George gonna get his title back, you know. BJ BJ is gonna go unify with Sure because it's good. It's such a crazy, you know, like it's such a fanboy time and for 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 me personally that like these these cards have like a special place in my heart. You know, if that makes any sense, like just because it's just like fandom era times a thousand. But that that was cool for sharing that. And you know what, James, I gotta say it's probably worth it in retrospect because. Remember, like the, the, I mean, well, you were there, but like even watching at home, the loudness of that arena for for George St. Pierre was just something to behold. That was that was unlike anything we really saw at that time. We, you know, keep in mind that the big show in Toronto hadn't happened yet or anything like that. But wasn't that wasn't that a monumental time though, or a show for you guys? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it was huge. Um, it was uh, yeah. It, I mean, you have to think too, like there. 
I think that was, you know, obviously they had the USA versus Canada show like a couple of years before, but I mean, people were just dying for, for a Canadian card. And I remember when it finally got made at 83, it was, uh, it was, it was a huge deal. And I just like, anytime you talk to like a hardcore, like fan who's from Canada, they always reference UFC 83 just cause like, it was just like, everyone was there. Like everyone has some story that was like involved there. And it was just like, it was actually a pretty good card for the most part. Um, like it, you know, if you look at sort of some of the names on there, it was, it, it was a good card. And, and obviously, you know, St. Pierre winning, like I've never to this day heard such a loud crowd uh you know for him coming out and him winning and and everything that went into it so it was uh it was pretty badass to be there and one of my favorite matt sarah quotes by the way in the lead up to that fight uh matt what have you been doing to prepare for the booze that you're gonna get in montreal well i've been watching a lot of uh, tim sylvia walkouts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great all right uh wanley also has ufc one set or ufc 79 rich clementi versus melvin gallard he still ain't oh. learned his lesson look at him Get the hell out of here. Let me say something. Nothing worse than a guy that talks shit and don't back it up. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, I remember because uh, Clemente submitted him, and there was yep. a lot of bad blood because both are from Louisiana. Yeah. So uh, the you know a lot a lot of stuff heading in there, and Melvin I think like either shoved him or like he said something to Rich after the fight and let pissed Rich off, and uh, yeah, it was just it was uh, it was it was yeah it was very interesting, and uh, unfortunately Melvin Gillard's still fighting and losing. I don't know if you've seen uh, recently he fought uh, like last month and he got knocked out again. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. He's not bouncing back from the losing streaks like he was that day on those days. And that was uh, credit to Rich Clemente. That was his most impressive run that he had in his career. Uh, I believe he went on like a four or five uh, fight uh, quietly in the, in the UFC's lightweight division there uh, for for a little bit, and that was amongst it. I think he did he did pretty well back then. But um, number five, the last one on Wanley's list: Roy Nelson versus Brendan Schaub at the Tough Ten finale. Not really. I think Kimbo had the most experience. He had more backyard brawls than I have. I'm just a fat guy, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. Awesome. Roy, Roy Nelson uh, with the, you know, kind of uh, intro- rub. Yeah, introducing a smart-ass brand before we really knew it was a smart-ass brand. <laughs> um, but James, did, they, did, did we hit your honorable mentions? And please, w- before we get out of here, anything that we missed, the listeners missed, that you wanted to talk about real quick? No problem. Uh, the honorable mention that we missed is another Nick Diaz one that I thought would get brought up at least once, but we have to go all the way back to 2008. Uh, KJ Noon's Eve Edwards, yes. lead XC Return of the King in Hawaii. Yes. And right after the fight, Bill Goldberg, the former professional wrestler who's doing commentary for lead XC, is like, all right, we got someone out here. Uh, you know, uh, whatever. And like, it was like this awkward thing. And, uh, it was, it was, it was KJ Noon's dad was yelling, I think at either Jake Shields or Nick Diaz. I can't remember, but Nick Diaz is there and he's like, and he gets, he grabs the mic from Goldberg and goes, don't be scared, homie. And that's where the don't be scared, homie came from. And of course there was like a little like mini brawl that, that took place there. But, uh, Goldberg, I'll never forget that. He's like, he's like, Oh, he's not, he's not scared. We know that whatever. And like, tried to like downplay yes. like anything like bad happening. But, uh, that was awesome. Like that was, I mean, if you remember, like Diaz went to Elite XC because, um, you know, the UFC cut him. They buried him on the undercard. I think his last fight, I think he actually won his last fight before he was released against Gleason Tebow on the, on the undercard. Yep. And he goes to Elite XC and people were just watching Elite XC just for, you know, obviously they had Kimbo and Gina Carano later, but a lot of people watched like myself because Nick Diaz was fighting and it didn't matter who he was fighting, but 
people, you know, when you look back at Nick Diaz's career, a forgotten rivalry is the one he had with KJ Nunes. And that was, uh, you know, sort of the start of it was because Diaz lost on a cut, I believe, uh, yep. in their first fight. Yep. And so, you know, he obviously wanted the rematch for the title, which uh, which didn't end up happening in Elite XC. But uh, but yeah, that was the start of it. The don't be scared, homie. Yeah, that one almost made my list on, on the list here. I, I went back to watch that one recently, uh, too. And uh, that was great, great, great description. And there's the classic Diaz walking out the ramp, flipping the birds. And um, that was a great time because, yeah, we didn't know where Diaz was going. He was bouncing around at the time, and we didn't even know what weight he was going to be at because, you know, this was he wasn't too far off from that fight with Nunes or even the fight before with Gomi where, you know, he was still kind of making that 160-pound catch weight. Like, he was still within range yeah. of that, which is kind of insane when you think about it now and how he's kind of filled out. But and then you hear those those terms like he get a fight book at lightweight and be like oh well no Nick Diaz got sick swimming in the ocean again doing laps trying to make weight <laughs> and then it sounded almost like bogus stories but then you think about it you know, you know they're probably true because his body was probably just rejecting being that low of weight for so long while he was supposed to be growing at that point of his life yeah but uh, no I know I, it, it's crazy to think back to that I remember they were really pushing for him to you know to be a lightweight fighter and he couldn't make the weight and. Yeah, it was uh, – he actually – yeah, that fight he had against Mike Ina at Elite XC Uprising, he actually came in five pounds overweight. It was a catchweight at 160. It was supposed to be lightweight though, I think. Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, anything else on your list there, James? Uh, no, that was just sort of the, the other one I was thinking of. And then uh, you know we mentioned the uh, I'm not surprised uh, motherfuckers after the uh, 196 one that we already talked about. But uh, that was it. I mean like I you know I was, I was looking here and there just trying to dig up old ones. But I felt I got a good mix. And I feel like we – I mean going through all these today, there's some that I just completely forgot about. So that was sort of cool for me to sort of go back down memory lane and you know discuss all this. So it was, it was very cool. 100%. Well, let me just blow through about uh, just a couple real quick with just a couple uh, sure. side notes attached to each. Feel free to interrupt at any time. But uh, Rothwell versus Mitrione, the <laughs> oh yeah, of course, <laughs> I gotta have that. Uh, again, I, I outlawed BJ Penn, but BJ Penn versus Matt Hughes one. That's just a classic one that just emotes emotion in me. Uh, it's one of the most classic ones as far as beating your idol or not being afraid to do the most amazing thing, but then emasculating yourself with tears, and that's perfectly fine. Um, the celebrating on Cabbage Cohea's head and Joe Rogan literally has to pull him down off the shoulders to get him to do the post-fight interview. Like the, it's just one of the, my, my favorite post-fight interviews in the sport. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, there's so many like ones you have to like go back and check out. I mean, we could go find the old yeah. like, you know, uh, Chuck and Tito ones that were like back in the day. Um, you know, uh, remember Tito, uh, you are going to be the last of the Mohicans. You remember? Yes, that? yes. Oh, that's classic, dude. Yeah. Or, 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 or now, now that I'm even thinking about it, I mean, this was at the presser, but, uh, you know, Ken Shamrock, uh, I'm going to beat you within a living death or, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to turn your hair black. Remember that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Dude, those dude, those were classic, man. Those, those were rough. Those were rough. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, this, I mean, again, you could probably have like a couple episodes on this. It's really tough, but, uh, just just a couple others that are kind of kind of noteworthy. Um, Knight versus Caceres because that was just a one. I'm real softy about the, uh, you know, personal stuff. And 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 Knight lost his father, and it was like literally the year anniversary, and he beats Alex Caceres. And you're not supposed to give the mic mic up, but uh, you see uh, uh, Brian Stan kind of give the mic, and he even does the kneel with uh, Alex uh, or Jason Knight when he does a little prayer to his, to his dad. And that, that, that just always hit a soft spot because I, I, I often tell people on this podcast when I'm doing tape study, James, it's really weird. But at least once when I'm doing the tape study for a card, roughly on average these days, it seems like I've, I've 
managed it a bit to roughly around maybe around 30 hours total, including interviews, tape study footage, all that stuff. And there's always one point where I cry, one point. Not like cry like ball like a child, but I get teary-eyed, right? And for example, mm-hmm. like if I, if I was doing a, a Jason Knight fight and I don't turn it off and go to the next fight before the post-fight interview happens and that, that rolls on, I'll, I'll get sucked into it, you know? And uh, I don't know, stuff like that always gets me. Till versus Wendell Oliveira, that was the first time we heard Darren Till's multilingual accent. Um, right. You brought up pro wrestling ones before where guys get in, you know, as far as you weren't sure if that, that qualified with the G, with the, the GSP, Hughes, and Penn little trio. But uh, who can forget uh, after Penn Stevenson, Sean Shirk, you're dead. And he comes in like yep. it's a WWE entrance. <laughs> or, or you, you know, you know, uh, no, I mean, it was uh, the and peak BJ Penn in the lightweight division. I mean, that was, I mean, I, I remember thinking at the time, like, who's going to beat this guy? And then tur- turns out Frankie Edgar no pun intended with the nickname has the answer and he defeats him twice. So, um, yeah, just, uh, it's, it's really crazy to like, yeah. you know, it's, it's crazy to just think all the years that have gone by and all the cool things that have sort of happened. Uh, one, I, I got two sort of honorable ones. I can't please, remember the please. card specifically, but, but we've had, uh, two, uh, maybe more proposals in the cage. Uh, Benson Henderson. Yes. Proposing, oh, thank you, you for bringing after. this up. Thank you for bringing and, this up. <laughs> yeah, and ahead. we mentioned Brian. We mentioned uh, Brian Baker earlier. Brian Baker proposed to his uh, girlfriend at the time in Bellator after his fight. Oh wow! And I remember I Bellator that. the video. If you go back and watch, it, I don't know if they still have it on YouTube, but the title of the video was like great. Like whoever made it up, they called it Beauty and the Beast because Brian's called Brian the Beast Baker, and so it was like him proposing to his oh, girlfriend at, at, after the fight. That one sounds awesome. I, I'm glad you brought up the other one though because I that's one of my. I believe it was after was it it came it was great because I think it was after the Gilbert Melendez fight right that Benson Henderson right which was controversial yeah. and it's great so it's a controversial decision and like the crowd's booing and then Benson Henderson who was like a guy who wasn't the most charismatic for interviews he wasn't the guy who really caught the most momentum and of course even as a goddamn champion doesn't even have enough momentum to ask his, you know but he he does it anyways and good on him and I'm not I'm not hating but. Oh man, it was like one of the most like most awkward post fight interviews for me to watch when I when I go back and watch them. I'm like, no, you deserve better than that, Ben. This is this is a bad this is a bad bad timing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but uh, any but any uh, one I want to uh, mention before we get out of here was um, Jens Pulver versus uh, was it Manny? Not Manny Vasquez. Manny Vasquez is in yoga. Javier Vasquez. Javier Vasquez. Uh, WEC right. 47. Um, and this was tough. This was like one of the Jens Pulver was kind of crying in the interviews and retiring a whole bunch. And he even acknowledges in this one, he goes, I don't know how many times I can cry in front of you guys anymore. And that one's an emotional right. one, whether you were watching it or whether you're a fan of Jens Pulver or any of that, because I think it encapsulates the, you know, each of these post fights have a story. There's odd, there's funny, there's beautiful, right? There's significant. And that one was more the, that classic telling of the, the guy who's been in there too long, which we see all too much. Yep. And that was a perfect, uh, I just want to end with that one. And, and uh, as my last honorable mention, cause that was just a, a perfect encapsulation of that. And I like Jens. Yeah. No, I do too. Uh, they did the documentary on him and, uh, you know, people forget again, you want to talk about good rivalries. Remember his fight? Was it with, was it with Uriah Faber, the one they did in WEC? It was like oh, a yeah. huge deal. I think they did like a countdown show too uh, for top, it. It was top five. Well, yeah. my top five. Uh, if we did top five uh, video promos, James, for uh, yeah. promos, that would be up there for me. Don't blink. That's where yeah. the don't blink comes from. Don't blink. And uh, it goes. It's really well edited because it does like Faber's thing, but then it goes. It just takes that that dramatic turn in, in the in the trailer, like in the movie trailer, so to speak. And all of a sudden, you just see like hear the clanks of a chain. And Jens Pulver kind of gets, you know, jumps down from a hang down, you know, kind of a thing. He goes, well, well, I forget what he says, something about 
get, you know, get busy living, you know, you get gritty, you get older, or something like some some kind of saying or something that was very Jens Polveres. You're like, oh, this motherfucker's back. <laughs> And it was a great, it was a great promo, which I believe I'm sure you know. You being from the video editing world um, can appreciate that kind of stuff. Obviously, the, the best one of Love last it. year, which was Joan, Jones Cormier too, right? When you go back and watch that that yep. masterpiece. No, absolutely, man. But yeah, oh, well, thanks, James, for coming back and, and going down memory lane with me, man. It's it's really nice to to again have have another guest that you know can 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 do this, and and you you hit it out of the park, my man. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, it was great being on here. I love doing this type of stuff. It's, uh, you know, we don't often get to do, I mean, me personally, especially, I like, I don't get to go down memory lane this much. So it's, it's great to sort of revisit some of the older fights and speak in my language. That's sort of the best way to put it. You know, there's a certain degree of an MMA fan and, uh, you know, a lot of my friends, that's why, you know, we do these pub nights here in Toronto, like, uh, with all the media guys, like we can all talk about this stuff and people know what I'm talking about. But if I try and reference, uh, you know, fights with like, even just like a casual fan or something, they're not going to know what the hell I'm talking about. So this is fun for me, man. So thanks for having me on. And it was, uh, it was cool, uh, you know, going back in the time capsule. Yeah, you said it, man. I mean, we do work slightly different beats, but at the same, at the same time, we're covering the same sport. And, uh, yeah, we're, you're right, man. We're usually, you know, whether whether it's interviews, analysis, or whatever, we're, 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 we're looking ahead. Our, our, our case is always fixed forward. It's nice to take a break and look back once in a while, um, especially especially with how much the times have changed. You know, we're having our own history book that, that, that's kind of unfolding right before us. So uh, thank you. Thank the listener. Thank you for the listeners uh, for uh, – for, 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 you know, participating again, you know, this, this, this podcast is hosted at mixedmarshallanalyst.com where you can find the on it, uh, and Amazon click throughs there. Uh, iTunes also ratings and reviews are very kind. Also make sure to give us a follow at the PYM podcast. But before we get out of here, James, anything you'd like to plug, sir, anything you got going on where they can find you, etc. Just easiest way is follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. Same thing on Instagram. Um, doing, I'm always doing stuff. Always doing interviews. Got a lot of cool stuff going on at uh, you know all the sites I work for. Uh, we'd be here all day if I sort of listed off everything. But uh, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, you know, this is a break uh, this week with the you know UFC London card uh, not happening until next weekend. But I got a lot of interviews up. There's a lot of regional cards going on. So check that out. And uh, yeah, Dan, just more importantly, thanks for having me on, man. It was uh, great catching up with you, talking with you. And uh, like I said, July. Looking forward to having another beer with you and uh, talking some fights. Dude, that sounds good. I can't wait. Uh, Until then, I hope you're well. I hope everybody listening on the other side of this is well. Enjoy the weekend off. Hopefully you can do something productive. We'll definitely see you back next week. We're going to be breaking down some UFC London, Verdum versus Volkov. But until next time, always protect your necks.